the Beyond the Studio podcast. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll have honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Art World Conference, a business and financial empowerment conference for artists and arts professionals. As cultural partners, we're bringing you an ongoing series of exclusive interviews with guest speakers, working artists, and business experts. This is the first time we're recording live from an event and a virtual event at that, which we're both really excited and a little nervous about. So thank you so much for joining us for Recap and Reflections with Beyond the Studio where we'll be responding to today's session in real time. This is being recorded for release on Beyond the Studio podcast, in addition to being recorded for the conference. And if this is your first time hearing about Beyond the Studio, we are a podcast for artists by artists. We're two visual artists trying to figure out how to lead sustainable lives for ourselves and started interviewing other creatives about just that. Last year, we attended Art World Conference live in New York, the very first one, in hopes of growing and learning for ourselves and bringing that knowledge back to the podcast. And we were able to interview Dexter and Heather, our Art World Conference founders, about their inaugural event. And over the last year, we've collaborated on some of our favorite episodes of the podcast, which we'll include links to in the chat in a few. And we've collaborated on some of our favorite episodes of the podcast, and we eventually became cultural partners, which means that we've joined forces to support one another in our shared mission to empower artists to live the lives that we want for ourselves. If you enjoy learning with us today, please be sure to subscribe to Beyond the Studio, which is available for free wherever podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. And in the comments and or notes, uh, oh yeah, we'll include that. If you have any ideas, questions, takeaways, or inspired action that you want to bring into the podcast today that is sort of what you got out of the event today, be sure to share that with us in the chat, your conference feedback, or reach out to us directly so that we can continue to learn and grow with you. And let us know if you had a favorite speaker from today or tomorrow uh, that you would want to hear from more on the podcast. Yeah, last week uh, we released an interview, a follow-up interview with Dexter and Heather, uh, where we talked about their intentions for this conference and what the theme defining value or defining values means to them. And so I think for us, what really attracted us to this, this topic and this idea and how we've had initially been thinking about it in relation to the podcast was, you know, our hope is in in contributing towards this mission of defining values is that by having really candid and in-depth conversations with other artists about their business practices, time management, financial literacy, all of the realities and challenges that, you know, go on behind the scenes, that you know, through that, it will help to make visible the the actual work of being an artist. And in addition, that, you know, those listening and, you know, us as artists will start to more holistically value the own work um, that goes into making our lives possible. So we were really excited initially about this topic and are really looking forward to this collective processing today. I don't know about you all, but there was a lot to take in. Um, I'm sure we're all feeling a little bit tired, but I know that our minds are buzzing and we're also feeling really inspired by the speakers. Um, And so it's really just such an honor and a privilege to get to be here. Um, Amanda talked a little bit about our history with our World Conference and, you know, just in the spirit of making things happen and of working 
working and collaborating together, um, you know, that's really what started this whole collaboration. So it's just great to get to be here. And I also appreciated the the cadence of um, some of the earlier events of just kind of embracing the the humanity behind um, this virtual conference and, you know, even through some of the technical difficulties that, you know, it's just a reminder that we're all humans behind the screen here. So I guess just to start us off, Amanda, how are you feeling about everything? Sorry, I had to briefly mute myself for a siren. Perks of living near the firehouse. I am feeling so unbelievably inspired by today. I feel like it's going to take me several days to fully unpack everything that I've been learning and like really read through the notes. But we took different routes partially today, which would be kind of cool to figure out our differences. Uh, I started today in the discussion group, uh, Collective and Collaborative Care for Resistance and Change in the Arts and Beyond. And Nicole started the day in the discussion group, The Power of Visibly Parenting in the Art World. The discussion group that I went to was really focused. It was an extremely timely conversation, really focused on uh, the importance of recognizing the realities of what mutual aid is, the fact that we are on stolen land if you're here in the U.S. um, or in any other colonized region, and talking about sort of the importance of finding ways to reallocate uh, resources and sort of take away this capitalistic view and find a long-term support. What did you learn in the power of visibly parenting? Yeah, this though this was a bit of a strategy we took last year in attending the New York conference too is splitting up throughout the day so we would have as much information as possible to bring um, back together and have a conversation about. Um, So while I am not an artist parent, I have immense respect and awe for all of the the artist moms and um, parents out there that are working not only to support their creative practices, but supporting their families. And so it really, um, you know, had that feeling of a support group, I think just sharing uh, some of the challenges and um, realities of what that looks like. And and even the, the title itself being a kind of a radical statement around what it looks like in in this time of a pandemic, but really at any time to um, just be open about uh, about those realities and, you know, about being a parent in the art world or, you know, about all of the kind of varied identities that, that we hold in our lives. So that was what our morning looked like. Um, We obviously came together for the keynote and conversation and Q&A, what would we like to build instead, and then split up the second half of our day. So while I was giving the introductions to the speakers of cultural value and cultivating solidarity, Amanda was attending making art, building community, and creating change through abundance. And then Amanda, what was the second session that you were facilitating? Uh, After that, I facilitated how to value the intangible compensation for live, ephemeral, and process work. And while I was doing that, you were in the session for uh, impact investing in the art world, right? Yes. So how is everybody feeling? I would love, while this is, you know, a live podcast recording between the two of us, and there's a lot that uh, we want to talk about and share, um, just to check in with everybody. So if you have feelings, reflections, or thoughts, please feel free to drop those into the chat. Um, We'd love to call them out or incorporate them into this conversation. But how brilliant was Dario Calmisa's keynote slash performance uh, slash poetry reading? (laughs) Oh my God, it was so beautiful. Um, Talking about color is process, active and elusive. God, I don't even know where to start. (laughs) I really appreciated the 
the tone of starting the conference talking about the relativity of value and how much our values, uh, or this is a quote um, from him, our values determine what we value. Um, so how much is connected to our own perception, ethics and aesthetics being one, and how finding common ground depends so much on self-awareness, being observant, um, being able to identify nuances. And that just got me thinking about how uniquely equipped artists are to be having these conversations. And, you know, that ability to synthesize ideas, to make connections is so, you know, characteristic and unique. But that just, I think, showing up here today, even in the spirit of that, you know, for this conference is, is a step towards, you know, finding that common ground, identifying not only what our values um, within the arts community are, but outside of that. So that's kind of what, you know, that keynote got me thinking about early on. And that was really continued or kind of framed the next um, panel, which uh, was so brilliant. Um, just talking about priorities, values and actions, this being a time of creation and not recreation. Um, I also wrote down a couple notes or quotes, um, and I apologize. I don't remember which of the three incredible speakers said this exactly, but uh, we live in the imagination of old white men. <laughs> so what does it mean to center a black femme uh, body imagination? Um, or what does it mean to uh, to reimagine this, you know, this world that we're in. And uh, that reminded me of something that Dexter said um, during our podcast last week, which is just that history is being remade every day. And so I think that continuous reminder that just seems especially exposed this year that we are in a constant state of change, whether it feels like it's out of our control, these external forces that are changing all around us, or that, you know, it are are things that we have the power and ability to, to affect and transform that, you know, nothing is ever static and that we are always in this constant state of, of growth and change. And so just the the fact that we are all here and that we're bringing these diverse perspectives together, you know, for a conference like this um, is a part of reimagining that future and in itself a, a radical act. Yeah. And I think that quote you said was from Sage Crump, um, who had also said something that I that really hit me um, that said, uh, black is not the absence of color or everything. Um, it is everything. So when you start with black, you start with a full pantry. And I thought that was so beautiful because I think as artists, and this was also mentioned, this is not an original thought for me, uh, but when artists think of paint or color as these materials, we recognize that black is all of the colors. And yet our society does not reflect that same acknowledgement of value. And how can we bring that to not just the art world of recognizing black, but how can we bring that to society and how can we be a part of helping encourage these infinite possibilities? And I thought that was such a beautiful way of explaining it. So I'm really grateful for that. Thank you, Sage, for all the Sage advice and <laughs> words. <laughs> this, is, um, this is not a fully formed thought yet. I think we're still very much processing along with everybody, you know, what was what was said and talked about. But something else that came up in that same panel was the uh, idea of a reorganization of power. And so I have been thinking a lot about that, the relationship between the internal and external. I think that um, conversation sort of positioned you know, self-care and the self at the center of being able to start impacting, you know, your your family, your neighborhood, the community around you, um, and by extension, you know, creating those ripple effects. And so 
I have just been thinking about that in relation to a lot of the other talks, whether that's kind of internal, like looking inward, undergoing that processing of process of questioning. I think they described it as a a practice of interrogation um, to start to evaluate our own habits and and patterns and belief systems, but also like internally within within the art world or whatever sphere of that we we operate in, you know, versus what's happening outside of it and what are the ways that intersects with other, you know, other sectors or industries. And so that sort of relationship between internal and external, I think, was uh, sort of a theme for me within the idea of defining value and finding common ground around just the the language that we use to talk about what that means and it looks like a lot of you also really appreciated the self-care discussion which I know is a great reminder for us too yeah so incredibly timely now as many of us are are even more isolated than we normally are in our studio spaces it's so important to recognize the need for self-care and I'm trying to remind or remember where I had some uh, quotes in regard to rest and self-care from that conversation. Um, I'll keep scrolling through and try to find it. But Yeah, I'm curious because this is the first time Amanda and I are coming together um, since our back-to-back sessions, if you had any major takeaways or things that stood out um, from the ones that you participated in. Um, I know we had slightly different experiences throughout the day, but a little behind the scenes, we've had a shared Google Doc where we've been putting in all of our notes and ideas. So um, I have a little bit of insight, but just curious what, what you've been thinking about since we last saw each other this morning. Yeah. So while we were apart, you were moderating your session with cultural value and cultivating solidarity. And I went to making art, building community and creating change through abundance. So the conversation was really focused on abundance in general and kind of what that means to to people and uh, the conversation was really focused on the laundromat project and how they're uh, using examples of showing up for their community in a multitude of ways and how they really try to pivot based on their community needs and find ways of doing like in a very physical sense showing up but also just being present in a very um, emotionally and and mentally and, and a relationally supportive way, which I thought was really interesting because I think oftentimes we can focus on really just the very physical needs, but we are complete complex humans and we have more than physical needs. And so it's important to recognize how we can do that. So I thought that tied in kind of well with the self-care talk and, and the idea of a radical rest. So while I was doing that, how was your first time moderating? Um, how was your conversation going? Yes, I was fortunate to introduce um, Ian Coffrey and Natasha Bunton, the two speakers for Cultural Value and Cultivating Solidarity, which very much um, revolved around labor issues and I I think identifying and acknowledging the unseen labor um, that contributes to to the arts, whether that be putting an exhibition together was one example. So uh, kind of finding common ground around the language um, terminology that we use to describe value and creative labor. Um, And then there were a number of pretty interactive sections to think about you know, who's really involved in putting together, in this case, um, the example was an exhibition with some virtual components. So thinking beyond, you know, even museum workers or, you know, the artists and curators 
to facilities, to city workers, um, people that contribute to the infrastructure of the, the place um, that that work is being exhibited, uh, more abstractly artistic influences, um, and then even extending beyond the kind of mechanics of putting together an exhibition and thinking about, you know, the labor around um, childcare or, you know, wh- what's going on behind the scenes to support, you know, that artist or that um the ability to hold a virtual event, um, Zoom pilots, uh, you know, just thinking about all of the the labor that goes into putting together a conference like this even. So that was a big part of that discussion, I think, and looking at how, how we can acknowledge and advocate for not only the value of our own artistic work, but to look at all of um, those around us and how that's contributing to the, the art ecosystem. So that was a bit of a summary of the first session. Yeah, in the second session, I went to, or I moderated, How to Value the Intangible, Compensation for Live, Ephemeral, and Process Work, which also the first time I ever moderated anything, and I think I read through everything so fast in the beginning, I'm not even sure if anyone hear me or heard me correctly, and I had some technical difficulties and an, a cat interruption, which hopefully made everything better. But um, we really talked about what is the value of labor, the role of document, the difference between, I guess, work that is ephemeral, can it be repeatable, and ways of bringing object or relic into performance-based work, sort of trying to find the, the value within work that's not necessarily easily sold, and trying to find workarounds for that, especially when it comes to work where there can't be any kind of paper trail um, due to the, the artist's instructions, which is really interesting. And we, I learned about uh, that you can get oral history lessons, which is a thing that those working at the Guggenheim have, have gotten some oral history lessons to learn how to properly maintain the integrity of these stories. Because I was thinking if, um, or not just stories, these uh, explanations of these art pieces that are not tangible, like how do you train someone to repeat a performance when the artist is not the one training but they were the one who created it how do you keep that integrity so that was a really a really interesting conversation that I don't think about super often in my physical art practice but I feel like kind of makes sense a little bit with the podcast since this is a you know that kind of extends to virtual space and virtual art and sort of what does that mean for resale honestly I wish I wish I could have gone back to that conversation longer but hopped right over here. Um, so while I was doing that, what were what were you learning in impact investing? Yeah, I'll give a quick summary um, here, but that was a relatively new term for me. So I was really interested um, in this session for being one of the more kind of financially oriented ones. Um, well, I know a lot of the sessions tomorrow really revolve around, around the financial end, but impact investing, from my understanding from the talk was, you know, a category or branch that's a more interested in social outcomes or social impact in addition to financial return. And so the audience seemed a little split between artists and um, organizations or cultural institutions. So I think really my takeaway from that was similar to some some of the others or even thinking about cultivating solidarity across arts workers. Um, And that's the importance of communication and storytelling, the ability um, in this case to demonstrate measurable impact um, as it relates to a social cause or being able to communicate the value of 
of our work as artists to various audiences, whether that's, you know, with a, a financial goal in mind or, you know, with the aim of creating greater visibility for our work as a whole. And so I think, you know, if I had to kind of distill it down, those were some of the, the themes that I was starting to get across. Some of the sessions were um, really revolved around language and storytelling and coming up with common definitions around, you know, what we value um, in order to create a more supportive, uh, cooperative ecosystem. Yeah. And I'll, I'll bring it back again to the episode you mentioned before where, um, that we released last week on our podcast feed, uh, that Dexter had said about how we're, we're just in this constantly evolving world and, and it's, it's constantly changing and, and we're, we're making history every day. And I really, I'm so grateful to be able to participate in these conversations right now while we're in such a huge shifting point in our world. And we have such an opportunity to really use this shift to really bring some change and to really start to ha- like hash out these conversations to figure out how we can bring lasting change. And I love that the focus of these conversations have been about rest and abundance. And it's just so empowering and encouraging. And I'm so excited for tomorrow's conversation. And I can't wait to watch back the lectures that we attended today and the ones that we didn't get to attend because, you know, there's even more knowledge that happened today that we get to go back and experience soon. So I'm super excited for that. Uh, Nicole, do you have any more thoughts or takeaways from today? Yeah, I guess um, just in the last few minutes in the spirit of, uh, you know, acknowledging creative labor, I just wanted to add in some thank yous to um, everybody that's behind Art World Conference, to Dexter, Heather, Julia, everyone that's put this event together, um, all of the Zoom pilots, everybody that's really helped to make this work, and to all of you that are participating. Um, Again, I think it's really remarkable that we all are here, that we showed up and we just feel grateful to get to learn from all of these thought leaders, um, you know, in these conversations. And so you all are here, whether you're at home uh, dealing with slow internet connections or zooming in from your phone or from your uh, car or, you know, parenting and homeschooling your kids at the same time. um, And also in the midst of a pandemic and a social justice movement and, uh, and an election <laughs> election uh, if you're in the U.S. in a socio-political and economic crisis. So, um, you know, with all of that, it's I just um, think it's amazing that, you know, you're all here to have these conversations and to um, show up and to be a part of that re-envisioning and imagining what the future of the arts can look like. And so it's really exciting to be a part of that. And there's so much more we could talk about. Um, I feel like we're just scratching the surface, but we're we're looking forward to tomorrow and just want to thank you all again for this opportunity to process together. Yeah, and that's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio, next Thursday, October 22nd, when we release this conversation on the podcast with an additional recap of day two after the conference. So if you loved this conversation and want to hear more from us at Beyond the Studio, we've included those links in the uh, chat and show notes for more collaborative episodes with Art World Conference. And thank you again uh, for listening with us and for making your work and for showing up and for you know being real and honest and vulnerable with us. We're all trying to enter a better world together after this. 
So you just got done listening to us talk at Art World Conference, where we recorded live for the first time, which was an awesome and terrifying experience. And now we're back in the comfort of our studios, which also was the exact same place because I recorded from my bed in both positions. So doesn't even matter. But now it's just us. Much less scary. Yes. <laughs> um, so now we're going to talk about day two. How was day two for you? Um, way more relaxed, like you said, getting to just uh, kick back and enjoy the conference instead of participating in it was really fun and um, yeah, just great to take in. I think we both, you know, took really detailed notes and wanted to just come in and give our recap and reflections on the second day of the conference. I felt like day two was a lot more um, practical or instructional. Um, as far as the sessions, whereas day one was really kind of setting the stage and talking more broadly about the theme of defining values, like what does that mean kind of philosophically within the arts and, you know, very community-based, whereas a lot of the sessions on day two were focused on personal finance or, uh, you know, financial topics for artists. So I'm looking back at the schedule and there were keynote conversations, panel discussions on creating a more inclusive economy, bridging the racial wealth divide. And then Amanda and I split our time across sessions like we did on day one. Um, So I attended something called Values-Led Budgeting, Why Budgets Are Your BFF, and another session called Retirement, The Ultimate Residency. Oh, yes. And I went to a panel on invisible economies, or it was a salon. So actually, several people spoke and there was music. There were, or we both went to that one, right? Oh, that's right. The discussion at the beginning of the day. Oh, yeah. I went to the Credit Hustle, How to Overcome Even When the Game is Rigged, and... I also went to Rent vs. Buy, What Artists Need to Know, um, because I would like to buy. But I wanted to make sure that I know what I need to know as an artist. And both yeah. panels were super, super, or both discussions were super helpful and filled with like very, very practical information. And the Credit Hustle had Pam and Dialect, who were part of the, like, one of the first discussion the panel discussion yeah early in the day which i thought they did an amazing job of assembling panelists for um we'll include a link to the the session but those both of the conversations at the beginning of day one and day two were just so powerful um and really candid and honest and so i remember there being a lot of calls to action and um we'll get into that in a second but yeah tell me more about the credit hustle yeah so it was really kind of giving you a history of why the credit system exists in the way that it does, the way that it was basically created to penalize and marginalize, penalize, 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 (laughs) and and marginalize uh, already marginalized groups and communities, and how often you can, uh, it's sort of this, cyclical cycle where you need credit to build credit just like you need a job to get experience and you need experience to get a job and there were I mean this is not a really helpful summary of the conversation but they were giving a lot of 
and just helping to create some transparency on how you can build credit for yourself and kind of how to avoid common pitfalls, um, especially ones that artists have to deal with very specifically. Um, and they actually have a podcast that I would love to check out. Um, I'll have to look up the name of it uh, and include it in the show notes. But, oh, I think Brunch and Budget, or maybe that was a mm-hmm. project specifically with Pam. And then I went to Rent vs. Buy, What Artists Need to Know, which as someone who would, and maybe this is a fantasy or hopefully a reality, would really like to buy a house and maybe even within the next year or so, I felt very inclined to go to that one. And it was really a helpful sort of laying down the basics of what you need to get in order before you even consider trying to buy a house and really evaluating what's right for your situation, not trying to force your lifestyle or your steps into a system that doesn't really work for you um, or may not be the right fit and kind of calling into question the idea of the quote unquote like American dream in this very typical formula of like you get a degree, you get a secure job, you get the car, you got to travel, you got to meet somebody, you got to buy a house, fill it with babies. Um, And you're supposed to be able to pay for all of this. But and also all of those things cost money. And only the job part actually gives you money back. So it was really a conversation of figuring out like, what is your financial foundation? What is realistic for you? What is just going to make it harder for you to have a sustainable life for yourself, whereas, you know, renting for some is the right answer and buying for some is the right answer. But you don't have to do something just because the American dream tells you you're supposed to. Um, But also, if the American dream sounds good for you, you can go for it. It's just probably going to be pretty expensive. Yeah, I'm curious if they had any strategies for artists specifically that do aspire to homeownership, um, whether related to building credit or, you know, things that they can do, especially if you're living a more, um, you know, an unconventional lifestyle or, you know, living more of a freelance on the freelance track um, when it comes to your work. Yeah, they definitely were talking about how, and this was a problem that my husband and I encountered when we had tried to go to a bank to get a loan a couple of years ago, where mm-hmm. we were sort of laughed out the door and told to get real jobs for a couple of years and then they could talk to us. But because we were both, you know, kind of self employed business owners, when you're doing your taxes and everything, you really are trying to bring your your income down sort of as low as possible so that your taxes are it's all sort of balanced and work working out like you want to be able to expense as much as you can for the sake of your business but if you're trying to buy a house or you're trying to build credit you have to really make it look like you make as much as you possibly can uh, to show that you have that stability and that you can actually do that so it was there were sort of he really was recognizing that it's specific situationally so it's not a blanket answer but recognizing that like what's the right move financially for your business is not necessarily going to be which as an artist you know most of our art practices are businesses or, or many of them are whether we see them that way or not just recognizing how different choices are going to affect different possibilities and he was also talking about with 
potentially buying a house, you really want to set yourself up with a really good financial foundation where you are set in savings, you have a down payment figured out, you've figured out your, you know, after purchase expenses, like houses, especially in the first year can be very expensive. You don't want your down payment and your savings to be necessarily the same thing. Like you probably will have something big happen within the first year and just kind of recognizing that it's going to be expensive and complicated and you really want to set yourself up for being able to handle that. And if you know your money well, then it's going to be a lot easier to be able to make the informed decisions to potentially buy a house. So it was sort of just helping get the basic idea of what to start thinking about before even deciding rent versus buy. So that was all extremely helpful. These topics can be so complex, for, you know, for anybody. So I think as artists, especially, it really helps to have these things translated in a way that's, you know, relevant and kind of aware of the unique challenges and, and lifestyles that artists tend to lead. I appreciate some of these topics. Well, they not all of them might be new um, to us, but really being taught with the perspective of artists in mind. I felt similarly about values-led budgeting, um, which is also, you know, a pretty standard process, whether you're budgeting for your life or for a project. But I liked how sort of freeform this one started out with um, before, you know, getting into a spreadsheet, creating a mind map of your priorities um, and your, your budget, you know, breaking things up into buckets of labor, materials, space, wellness, um, kind of all of the major categories that are important to you or that you spend money on. And then kind of developing, you know, more concrete numbers or, you know, migrating things over into a spreadsheet from there. But this session really revolved around the idea of creative budgeting, uh, which was thinking in terms of value exchange in addition to the financial piece. Um, so just recognizing that, you know, a, a single number um, can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people um, or organizations. So really trying to put on the perspective of, you know, who you're working with or who you're approaching um, for, for funding or, you know, who you're sending a proposal to and, and what does that number mean to them? So how are they valuing, you know, your work together? Is it in terms of social engagement, in terms of education, community involvement? You know, what are their priorities and where is their alignment in your values? So that's where the conversation, you know, kind of overlapped the financial piece with the values piece of it. And then how can you, you know, speak or sell your ideas through in terms of value? So just that the meaning of numbers aren't fixed, um, but that every number has multiple meanings. And when you are advocating for a project or, you know, seeking funding to get into a values conversation in addition to a numbers conversation. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, and the other session, Retirement, the Ultimate Residency, um, was really a primer on different types of investment accounts, which I have to admit, I went into thinking I would already know a lot of the information because I consider myself really interested in finance as an artist. Uh, you know, my brother studied finance. We collaborated on a financial tech startup uh, for a couple of years before and then after I moved out to San Francisco. Um, so this was, you know, something that 
that I felt is, um, you know, has sort of been a passion. But I thought the speaker of this session was amazing, too. It was really trying to break down misconceptions and and myths around uh, investing for retirement and the associations that people have related to the stock market being risky or investing being something risky, whereas the real risk lies in not investing for your future. Because without without investing, you know, you're creating roadblocks for for retirement, for emergency funds, savings, all of the things that lead to being able to you know live a financially sustainable life. And so, yeah, this was really kind of breaking down um, specifics of, uh, you know, types of investment accounts. So a lot of this information is out there. And this speaker, I think, also had a podcast. So um, we'll find links to that. But um, you can also, you know, through some quick Google searching, find a lot of these terms. But I think, again, it's helpful to hear it broken down in plain language and to have somebody that really um, is advocating for artists also be communicating the importance Um, of this information and of investing in addition to saving um, to really build, build generational wealth over time. Man, I love it. And I feel like so often, especially with finance, the language itself can be so confusing and disarming. So you're like, I can't even partake in this conversation because I don't understand it from the beginning. And the more we know, the more empowered we are to make wise decisions with our money. And frankly, I think that this is another part of all the worlds where people are specifically just like with our taxes, like they make the language really difficult so that you don't understand it so that you get tripped up so you can't participate in the economy and you can't generate wealth. So the more we know, the more we can actually participate in these markets. And I mean, we, we deserve to understand the stock market. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just the recognition that these these issues are a part of the community work, a part of the social justice work that, you know, it's not mm-hmm. um, something that exists outside of our work as artists, but that this this knowledge and being able to you know, use these systems in a way that works for us is immensely powerful. And it makes me think back to the initial, the first panel of the day, creating a more inclusive economy, which was such a great conversation, had so many great calls to action and some really staggering statistics, like only eight and a half percent of funding in the philanthropic sector goes to communities of color, that art income inequality is greater than U.S. income inequality, um, which we know is already very extreme. So if you're if you know, if you're a large arts organization, some of the, the radical suggestions were to look at ways to redistribute wealth, funds and resources to community based organizations. But also as individual artists, I thought the cause to consider ourselves as organizers and art activists to recognize our own power and work to break down internalized beliefs around the starving artist myth um, and all of these, you know, kind of internal barriers that we have when it comes to finance while also actively working towards writing structural issues that perpetuate these wealth divides was just so, so powerful. Um, I wrote down this quote from Sabrina Stratton, one of the speakers from that session, and it was just to not be discouraged, uh, keep pushing, keep speaking up, keep rallying, keep organizing and keep talking about it. So that was just one of my one of my favorite talks, I think, and really 
just a powerful message um, around the idea of value and creating value. Oh, I love it so much. There's something about uh, being able to have a couple days uh, to really absorb the information. And I know we're also both reading a book for an upcoming episode that also covers the topic of money. And I'm currently in the money chapter. So I'm definitely thinking mm. about it a lot. Uh, also, you know, it's 2020. Who's not thinking about money right now? <laughs> I guess Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so more on this to come. These are definitely conversations we intend to continue having. Um, and thank you so much for for following along um, this experience of Artwell Conference with us, uh, for listening to our reflections. Um, we'd love to hear what you think too, if you attended the conference or if you've just been listening back um, to this, what, what your thoughts are and what topics you'd like to hear more about. I think that's something we'd be really interested in as we're scouting speakers our potential future guests for the podcast. Um, and like Amanda said, we, ha we already have some um, interviews lined up that we would love to, you know, bring your questions into um, and to really, you know, focus those conversations on the topics that are most relevant. So please let us know what you think. And thank you so much for your support and joining us for Art World Conference. Yeah. And Next week, we're going to be hopping back into our season three schedule uh, with an excellent interview that we're really excited to share with you. And uh, thanks for bearing with us after we took off last week from releasing an episode. It, was, it felt really weird to not be queuing everything up the night before, but it was nice to kind of take a little bit of a break because we were, of course, working the podcast on Friday which is, you know, the first half hour of this conversation that you already heard. So it, it's nice to get back to the back to the schedule. Yeah. And we have a lot of cool stuff that we're excited to share with you. So thanks for listening. There will be a guest on the next one, we promise. <laughs> yeah. Yay. That's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests, special announcements, and podcast giveaways. Yeah, um, but you, I think, missed a little bit of it. For shame. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'll cut that out. <laughs> I did. Oh, man. I had to make myself some coffee in the morning. Can you tell I'm, like, <laughs> tired and delusional now? <laughs> um, God, I kind of lost my place.